So what did you get angry about recently? Just wondering. Of course, some of you never get angry, maybe. Um, but maybe you got angry about something. Um, and one of the things I want to ask is, so I want you to pause the video. Think about what did you get angry about recently? Tuck that away as we consider these next things. So I've heard a lot of angry reactions recently. Um, partially the uncertainty has caused us to go into a period of grief, and one of the stages of grief is anger. So it felt like with uh, COVID that we were responding, starting to get angry, and uh, about the sickness and being out of control and not having graduations or whatever the whatever was taken away from you, <clears throat> camp or whatever you're not getting to do. Um, and then it felt like some of that anger, uh, there was a George Floyd murder that people got really angry about. Some, some people got really angry about racism. Other people got really angry about the looting. Um, and was it okay for people to be angry about one of those things? And, and then some people got angry if you weren't angry enough about, if you weren't anti-racist enough or if you were anti-looting enough. Um, and uh, then, you know, businesses closing down and getting unemployed and, and getting sick for some of us. All of those things were reasons to get angry, and then some of you have other things that have legitimately made you angry. You've had uh, people do awful things to you and and, uh, and maybe illegitimately made you angry. So it doesn't take much to find anger or run across anger. All you have to do is look at Facebook, social media, the news even. Used to be the news was kind of... in, in a, past, it seemed like Walter Cronkite or those kind of newscasters just pretty much kept an even keel and told you what the story was. Now it seems like commentary and can you believe that is kind of the, the order of the day on a lot of news channels. Um, so question, is anger okay? Second question, how do we respond to injustice? This is the year of a just king. How should the king be responding? How should we as the king's subject be responding to injustice and to evil people? Um, is anger positive or negative for Christians? What about violence? Do, how do we relate to violence? So all those are tough enough questions. Now I'm going to take you to some psalms that are also tough. So um, I think sometimes it's best if we look at some parts of Scripture that we aren't comfortable with and don't usually read so that we can maybe find some new things to learn. Um, that's one of the challenges that I find uh, interesting and maybe challenging to because there's sections I know and obeying them, of course, is hard. But um, how about the sections that I have a hard time with? So let's pray before I head into these Psalms of anger. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we look at these Psalms. Thank you for speaking to us through the Psalms, I pray that you would help us to know how to respond um, well to all that is around us and how to pray well. Amen. So um, I have been encouraging you to read a Psalm uh, each day or several Psalms and read them out loud because praying out loud, like if you read through the Psalms, you notice they're often talking about out loud and crying and screaming and declaring, and um, they're meant to be out loud, sung out loud, prayed out loud. And um, But there's some of these psalms, as you read them, you're like, how? so he said they're, they're 
patterns for us to pray along with the psalmist. But I'll take a Psalm 58, for example. Justice, do you rulers know the meaning of the word? Do you judge the people fairly? No, you plot injustice in your hearts. You spread violence throughout the land. These wicked people are born sinners, even from birth. They have lied and gone their own way. They spit venom like deadly snakes. They're like cobras that refuse to listen, ignoring the tunes of the snake charmers, no matter how skillfully they pray. They play. Break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. Make their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime, like a stillborn child who will never see the sun. God will sweep them away, both young and old, faster than a pot eats over burning thorns. The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. They will wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then at last everyone will say there truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. Now that's a a song about justice and rulers who should be bringing justice, but it's kind of hard to read, isn't it? Is that really a godly thing to pray along with this psalmist? And there's others, uh, Psalm 137, 8 and 9. O Babylon, you'll be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you've done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Wow. That's in the Bible? Um, so it's hard, I think, for us to, to read some of these things and to uh, know what we should do with them. But again, I think, um, is the difficulty with the Old Testament and... Yahweh as the Old Testament God, or is maybe it's our understanding that's defective and our relationship with him that isn't um, so good. So first of all, I want you to notice what kind of people is he speaking against? First thing to notice, I'm so I'm going to try to give you some clues, maybe not an answer, but some clues toward understanding these things, which will also give us some clues toward how to deal with anger and violence and injustice ourselves. So, uh, how do we make sense of these kinds of parts of some of these psalms, these psalms of anger? Uh, what kind of people is he speaking against? First question. Um, if you look in these psalms, the one I just read was unjust rulers, people who are doing unjust things, oppressing people, bringing violence. I mean, the, my enemy who's trying to kill me is who is also Yahweh's enemy, the one who's unjust and oppresses the poor. So evil, unjust people, modern examples. Uh, Hitler, Idi Amin, Saddam Hussein. Uh, Bin Laden, people list, list your, um, villains and, uh, Joseph Stalin, <laughs> Mao, whoever you want to include in what you might have as your list of evil people. Um, what do we do with evil people and the evil powers that back them up? How do we respond to those? So is it okay to just say, oh, that's okay. I forgive you. When a ruler does that and people do unjust things, um, does that help things? My friend Brian Pokemon was a big fan of Julius Nyerere in Tanzania, who's tried to do things in a Christian way, but he felt like Christian was forgiving people, but then he, somebody who was a corrupt official just got moved someplace else and didn't get called out on their corruption. And that led to more corruption, even though Nyerere didn't seem to be corrupt. So, and the people who are calling out are ill-treated, um, evil, they're, they're people who are re- be doing good to people, but are repaid with evil. <clears throat> they're often doing it for the Lord's sake, and they have a real faith in God. So the first question we have to ask, is anger acceptable for a Christian? Now, let me tell you a little of my own story. I uh, I grew up, I guess I got the feeling that Christians weren't supposed to be angry. Um, you know, it wasn't really a comfortable thing, a nice thing, and, and Christians were supposed to be nice. Um, so, uh, when I was at 
freshman at Bethel College. Um, I took the MMPI and I then sat with a psychologist for half uh, an hour. And he said, well, you'd be schizophrenic if you hadn't lied. I was like, oh, that sounds good. What do you mean? He said, well, there are some lie detector questions like, how often do you get angry? And I had thought back and I said never because it had been years since I could remember getting angry. But that was a lie. I just wasn't aware of how angry it was. Now, fast forward three, four years and I was playing broom ball. And uh, we were playing against the Raging Eel Pouts, and uh, they were really just uh, kind of a violent team. And, and uh, I was kind of getting mobbed, and I went off the ice and sat on the, uh, you know, actually on the snowbank about this high above the, the boards. And then somebody wound up for a shot and hit me in the face um, outside the boards, way up here, and uh, knocked me over. And then at, then at halftime, since I was a captain, I came out with blood all over my face, <clears throat> frozen all over my face, and said, you know, maybe we could calm it down a little bit. And as I turned around to walk back, uh, somebody on there seemed to, well, if you wouldn't hang your face over the boards, it wouldn't be a problem. <clears throat> so um, I was so aware of my feelings that that night when I couldn't fall asleep, I realized, you know, I'm angry. So is it, oh, the referee happened to be a friend of theirs, as you can might guess. So is it okay to be angry when the ref isn't fair and that and the things are, <laughs> this is supposed to be a friendly game? Um, <clears throat> is it okay to be angry? So let me just uh, take a little time to talk about anger for the Christian. The truth is that feelings just kind of are. Whether it's okay to be angry or not, we, we get angry. And uh, I have since discovered that I'm actually angry quite a bit because I'm kind of a perfectionist and there's a lot of the world that isn't perfect. So there's a lot of things to get angry about, including me. Um, they're not necessarily right or wrong, but our response to those feelings can be either sinful or helpful. Um, so God himself is angry at the wicked every day, Psalm 7:11 says. So, But God is slow to anger and abounding in love and graciousness, and yet he doesn't let the guilty go unpunished, it says. So um, oftentimes in, uh, for example, Romans 13:4 says that the ruler executes God's wrath on his behalf. So in these cases, anger is to be understood as a participation by men in God's anger, the parables Jesus tells about the king who's, who's angry. Um, but it seems like sometimes it's actually quoting one of these Psalms when it says that Jesus said, zeal for your house will consume me. Um, Jesus was grieved at the Pharisees' hardness of heart. First Samuel eleven six says, Saul Oh, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and he resulted in great anger that impelled him to carry out his work for God. Um, in this case, to deal with enemies. Uh, who, uh, so anger becomes sinful or results in sin when we blow up. And there's lots of Proverbs about that. I won't close them. James says that uh, this kind of fast anger, he says we should, James 1, 19, says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, just like you see on social media all the time, right? Um, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So God wants justice and righteousness, but our human anger usually does not produce that. So it says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your souls. For it has the power to save your souls. It goes on and talks about true religion, cares for orphans and widows. So when you're caring for orphans and widows, is there ever a time when anger could be okay? So we should be slow to anger. E Ephesians says we should um, 
We should not let the sun go down on our, on our anger. We shouldn't give a, a space for anger to cause evil. Um, let me read that. Don't sin by letting anger control you. This is Ephesians 4, 26. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So we can let anger give a foothold to the devil. So we need to use our anger probably or control our anger. You know, all of us can control our anger with those we respect. We don't really blow up at our boss. We blow up at our kids or somebody else who, who, who we have more power over. We don't care as much about their opinion. Um, so slow down, count to 10, then release constructively toward a solution. So two things we can do wrong with anger. It's there. So we can either blow up at people or we can clam up, shut up, stuff it. And that doesn't really, or we can direct it toward the problem and deal with the problem. The thing that's between us and the other person and solve the issue and the problem. That would be a constructive way of dealing with anger, directing the energy toward the solution of that issue. I, um, one of my, uh, a spiritual director I was talking to in Tanzania said, so what are you going to do with that gift of anger that God's given you? And truly anger can empower us to do something about injustice. Now, the truth is most of the time we get angry about ourselves and when we get violated, not when God's ways get violated or injustice really happens. We tend to think it's unjust that something bad happens to us. Um, so the truth is most of the time we're dealing with something like that. We need to bring, but what do I do with that anger? Um, what are you going to do with the gift of the anger that gut level energy to respond to injustice can be good? <clears throat> so, um, so one of the things is what kind of speak people are speaking against is anger acceptable? Well, it's there. How do we do it about appropriate things and express it in an appropriate way? So one of the options to understand what's going on with these Psalms is to understand that these psalms express a righteous anger against evil. So these psalms are not about just my personal, I didn't have a good day, anger. They're a righteous anger, anger about injustice. <clears throat> and um, it's right and good to be angry at evil rather than be passive. In fact, people are right that if there's injustice happening and you're not angry or motivated about it, that's not right for you to just let things continue to be wrong. Um, <clears throat> to just stand back. Um, when at the time of Hitler, most of the German church had no opposition. Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. In fact, he was maybe part of a plot to kill Hitler that, um, <clears throat> he did something. And you know, the, uh, famous saying they took the, in the, in the time of, uh, the Germans, they took the insane and we said nothing because we weren't insane. And then they took the foreigners. We said nothing because we weren't foreigners. They took the Jews. We said nothing because they weren't, we weren't Jews. And then they came for us and there was no one left to complain. So if we don't deal with injustice for others, there will be no, no one to defend us. So all that is necessary for evil to succeed is for good people to do nothing. So we need to be angry, but we need to do it at an appropriate time in an appropriate way. Now I'd like to read Psalm 35 in a different way that is a little bit, so I've done, I've taught this for years with Tanzanian students and I'd always bring a couple people up front 
To do this, it's uh, have somebody read it from somebody else standing on their neck. Now, this is more relevant today than it is otherwise, but I think it reads differently if you read it that way. So, excuse me while I do that. Oh, Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and... and Take up your shield, prepare for battle, and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who oppose me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Then turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong, but they keep laying a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon him. Let, let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes they know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I'm sick with despair. Yet when they were evil, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them. By my prayers returned unanswered, I was sad as though they were friends or family, as if we were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I'm in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. How long, O oh Lord, you look on and do nothing. You rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect me from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the peoples. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me with, without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who mind their own business. They shout, aha, aha, with our own eyes we saw him do it. O oh Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Do not abandon me now, O Lord. You see, wake up, rise to my defense. Take up my cause, O Lord, my God. Declare me not guilty, O Yahweh, my God. For you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted. Now we will eat them alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who came to my defense. Let them continue to say, great is the Lord. With delight and blessings his servants with who delights in blessing his servants with peace. Then I will proclaim your justice and I will praise you all day long. So as I said, that's something I've done in the past in but in the Bible school in Tanzania when I've taught this. I've had a couple of students demonstrate this. I know it's got more relevance right now than it has in the past. Um, but you see that that psalm sounds different when it's said by a truly innocent victim being crushed um, by someone else, by someone who is having... So when we seek first God's kingdom and his justice, we talked before about how the hand of God's justice outstretched has to have the back of his hand to deal with the oppressor and get that person off in order to have the front of his hand to lift up the person who is underneath. Even that phrase, Lord, who can compare with you, is quoted from Exodus 15.11 when the... Israelites had gone through the Red Sea and the Egyptians had been drowned because who else 
can compare with God. Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? You see, most people are too invested in the rich people helping them and, and, and being on good terms with those who have much and who have power. But God is the one who rescues the helpless. So the poor and the helpless and the defeated and the, and the victim can call out. Now I want you to notice that in Psalm 35, which I just read, the person crying out is innocent. He says, I've done nothing to cause this. Um, and he says, in fact, he was loving his enemy. He was fasting and praying for them and doing good, but they returned evil. So actually, we say, shouldn't he be loving his enemy? And in fact, it seems he was loving his enemy. You know, in the Old Testament, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that standard is there. But this this is a crying out on behalf of the of justice. So it's still difficult to read some of these cursing psalms, even with that perspective. So let me give a section, second option. The second option people say is these psalms express a spiritual immaturity corrected by the New Testament. So in this psalm, we see that, uh, yeah, so for example, in Romans 12, 14 and 21, it talks about not taking vengeance, but saying vengeance is God. But it, is it so simple? So even there in Romans 12, he's quoting the Old Testament saying that, you know, when you don't take vengeance, you leave vengeance to God. You're actually heaping coals on the head of the other person. Isn't that kind of, uh, isn't that kind of like that? And it, the Old Testament does tell us to love our enemies and even to do good to our enemies, to love our neighbors and do good to our enemies. And the New Testament quotes the cursing Psalm. Psalm 69, which is one of them, is quoted almost as much, only Psalm 22, which we talked about before, is quoted more than Psalm 69. And Jesus himself says this in Luke, um, Luke 15, 25, he says, this fulfills what is written in the scriptures, they hated me without cause. So he's quoting that he and the disciples will be hated without cause, like those in these scriptures. Um, so if we edit out all of the anger of people and all the anger of God, we don't we end up with a pretty holy Bible, as in lots of holes in it. Um, and what about sin itself and Jesus himself? So the New Testament does give us greater insight. It shows us that our true enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not the people who are doing that. Our true enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil, our own selfishness, and, and the world system against God, and Satan, the demonic nature of evil. So our struggle is not primarily against the people, but the evil system that's there. Now, I want to give you another option. So I, we said that there is some fulfillment. Um, the Psalms express a righteousness, anger against evil. They do express a spiritual immaturity corrected or maybe just fulfilled by the New Testament. And finally, these Psalms are best understood as prayers. Who is the psalmist singing or screaming at? Not his Facebook friends. Not even the person doing it. He is screaming at God. He's bringing his case of being unjustly treated or the poor being unjustly treated or the nation. And 
before the just judge, the just king, because he's asking the just judge to deal with it. He says that they've attacked me and the poor without cause when I've already only done good to them, as we already saw in verse 22. If justice is done to the evil one, it says that God's name, honor, reputation as the one who rules justly and loves the righteous will be upheld before the whole world. We saw that in Psalm 58, 10 to 11. Otherwise, he'll be dishonored as unjust, ineffective, and uncaring. Many people in our world think that God doesn't care because they see that injustice continues. They feel like God is either ineffective or uncaring, and he just lets injustice continue. But God does. Of course, he has a much longer timeline, even beyond this age, in which he's going to deal with injustice. So when confronted with evil, anger is good. But what can we do with it? Do we strike? Do we slander? Do we stuff, suppress? Or do we scream at God? So don't clean up your prayers to God. I'd suggest prayer is the one place where you can swear because God can handle it. Bring your best thanksgiving and praise and your worst feelings and thoughts to God so he can deal with them. Remember Psalm 22, we talked about depression and lament. These Psalms talk about anger. Um, Philip Yancey talks about he has a weekly practice of talk, taking a walk in the hills and bringing all his anger against people who have wronged him that week to God. Sometimes God corrects him. He has even learned that when he has no list of personal injuries, to use these psalms as examples to pray on behalf of others who are being treated unjustly. He quotes Miroslav Volf, who learned to identify with the cursing psalms personally as he lived through the war in Yugoslavia. Here's what he says. For the followers of the crucified Messiah, the main message of the imprecatory or cursing or anger psalms is this. Rage belongs before God. This is no mere cathartic discharge of pent-up aggression before the Almighty, who ought to care. Much more significantly, by placing unattended rage before God, we place both our unjust enemy and our own vengeful self face-to-face with a God who loves and does justice. Hidden in the dark chambers of our hearts and nourished by the systems of darkness, hate grows and seeks to infest everything with its hellish evil will to exclusion. In the light of the justice and love of God, however, hate recedes, and the seed is planted for the miracle of forgiveness. So we need to move, even to move toward forgiveness, we need to recognize that there is a penalty. There is a, something that's processed. So what is the process of forgiveness? Tim Stafford says this in his book, I Have to Be Forgiven, I Have to Be Perfect. He says, there are six steps to forgiveness. So the first one, clearly state the actual wrong done to you. So this, these Psalms are doing that. Or if you're the one who caused it, wrong by you. Clearly state the actual wrong done to you. With every wrong done, a debt is incurred. Figure out, calculate what that debt is. Then ideally, the person who caused it pays up and so if you have, uh, if somebody ran into your car and you go to the, and you get an estimate and then you bring it to the person who caused it, um, and they pay up, hopefully. If not, you take that and the $500 that's going to cost to fix your car and you transfer the debt to God. This person is essentially transferring their debt to God. So these Psalms do a good job of these first three steps. 
You transfer the debt to God. They say, God, this is wrong. This is how much it's costing. This is evil. Will you deal with it? They And then they leave it with God. And then he says, step four, my copy of the receipt gets marked paid in full because God's going to deal with it. The fifth thing is absorb the damage because the car is still broken and I'm going to have to pay for it. Um, and then sixth, forgiveness is lived out in everyday life. So the first, the cursing psalms, these anger psalms do a wonderful job of accomplishing the first three steps of forgiveness. So they are not corrected by the New Testament as much as they are completed and fulfilled by the New Testament. My copy getting marked paid in full happened on the cross. And Jesus absorbed my damage. He absorbed the wrath of God so I can imitate him and absorb others' damage. I can also say, forgive them. And now that I have the Holy Spirit living in me, I can live out forgiveness in everyday life. Remember that the Lion of Judah is not a tame lion. He's not just nice. Every act of evil and injustice must be paid for. God isn't just God. He will not let the guilty go unpunished. Those who refuse to accept Christ's payment on the cross will pay themselves at the resurrection of the dead. Jesus' teaching about the judgment and hell show us that. Those who refuse Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, will meet him with the sword on a white horse or on a white throne saying, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire. At the end of the Bible, we see cursing prayers in Revelation we also see that these prayers are finally answered, even the most difficult one. Psalm 137.9 is answered by Romans 18.20, Revelation 18.20-24, and Babylon is destroyed in that sense. So psalms are not primarily to teach us truths about God. The psalmists are partners on the journey toward better relationship with God, and they're examples of us how to pray. So I want to encourage you to bring all of your feelings even the ones you think aren't very Christian. And instead of typing on Facebook or complaining to somebody else or ranting to someone, rant to God and say, this is not right. This is not just. Talk to God about what, because it actually demonstrates that you have faith that God is a just God, that he has power, that he cares, that he loves, that he will do something about it. You know, when we rant to other people, we show that we have faith that they're going to do something about it, or maybe the government's going to do something about it, or some new politician or some new technology is going to do something about it. But God is the one we need to rely on as the just king. So what is a situation where you see some reason to be righteously angry in your life, maybe? Maybe it's a personal thing, maybe adultery or rape or a a battered wife, maybe um, Indian or Chinese or Sudanese Christians who are persecuted. Um, maybe a cancer-ridden friend. So let's pray these prayers about that. I'd invite you to take some situation that you are feeling desperately angry about, unjust, and bring these situations, because then, you know, when I take myself and put myself before the righteous God, he can say, you know, I want to deal with you on this, and I'll take care of that person or that situation as well. Here's the difficulty. Some of us feel like we have to bring our prayers and clean them up, and 
you know, it's good to have things like, you know, a pattern of prayer, like following the Lord's Prayer, Acts, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But we get so into, like, doing the right pattern, we forget that he's our father. And most of the time, as fathers, I, I appreciate it when my kids just come and they're just like, you know what, this is just not right. Or, Dad, could you please, um, I, I'm not upset and I don't, and I'll correct that, you know, with a small child, you know, say, but could you be less selfish about that request? Could you be... You're just glad to hear what's on their hearts. And when kids stop telling you what's really on their hearts, then as fathers, we get concerned. <laughs> what's going on with this kid? Um, so God wants to hear what's on our hearts. Prayer is really about relationship with God. And God wants to hear what's really on your heart. All of the good and the bad and the ugly. Bring it to him so that he can deal with it both in you and in our world. So, I'd encourage you that all of the Psalms are things we can pray. Although, yes, with the New Testament perspective of what all else that's been done and the way that Jesus absorbed the, the sin and injustice. But it's hard to deal with a lot of the terrible things that are happening and with the anger that we hear around us and within us. But if we could bring that to God, he can help us to sort through that. So let me encourage you to just bring that to God. Let's go to him right now. Lord, we see so much injustice, so much wrong, so much terrible things that it makes us angry. And Lord, we want to be righteously angry. We know that most of the time we're just upset because it's not convenient for us and things got in the way of our plans. So help us to correct that and to have self-control, but by your Holy Spirit. But we also pray that you'd help us to learn to pray with the angry psalmist about those things that are truly unjust and that we would believe you and trust you to deal with injustice and to deal with those things that are wrong. Lord, we try so many other ways and so many other avenues. God, we ask that you'd help us to bring ourselves honestly to you and that you would really deal, give us faith to believe that you will really deal with the, with the evil and the unjust things in the big picture and in the small picture of our lives. God, we thank you that you care, that you are a God of justice, that you're with us. Help us to go into a deeper relationship with you as we bring more of our real selves to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being the just one. Amen.